0: Tonight's scripture reading is from Luke four sixteen through 30. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and he went to the synagogue, as his custom was on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read, and there was given to him the book of the prophet Isaiah. He opened the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself that we have heard you did at Capernaum. Do here also in your own country. And he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his own country. But in truth I tell you, there are many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up for three years and six months, when there was a great famine over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon. To a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and put him out of the city, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down headlong. But passing through the midst of them, he went away. The word of the Lord.
1: The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, friends, if this is the primary statement of God's purpose in the world, friends, if this is... Jesus' understanding of his purpose, and we are gathered here in varying degrees to align ourselves with Jesus' articulation of God's purpose, then further examination of this statement is in order. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. To preach good news to the poor, that is a mission statement right there, friends. To preach good news to the poor, you see, every successful corporation or revolutionary movement needs to have a mission statement that is one sentence, easy to remember, easily understood, and less than 12 words. It's a basic principle that all, all know. So as mission statements go, this is a pretty good one. I mean, one could quibble with a few things. But, you know, it is easy to remember. And it is less than 12 words. Though it is not technically one sentence. uh, Really more of a sentence fragment. But as far as easily understandable, yeah, it really is kind of easily... Well, okay, misunderstandable. Let's this is actually easy to misunderstand. Here, I mean, if I would quibble, here's the problem. Good news and poor are terms that Luke, in reporting Jesus' mischievous statement, uses in very specific ways. His whole book, really, Luke's whole book, just serves to define what he actually means by good news and Poor. Additionally, beyond Luke's specified use of good news and poor, we are handicapped by our historical and cultural distance from even their most general meaning. Where to begin? Well, we're not in a position here, friends, you understand, to examine the entire book of Luke for the obvious reasons of time and constraints and also the limits of my own personal stamina. We can, however, look at the rest of our text for today, and it will kind of give us a little bit of a nice beginning. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Speak it along with me if you know it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This, of course, as the text tells us, is a reading from the scroll of Isaiah. We find it in our Bibles as Isaiah 61, 1 through 2, with a little Isaiah 58, 6 thrown in. You also note that in Jesus' reading of Isaiah 61, 1 through 2, he leaves off half of verse 2, because verse 2 says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God and to comfort all who mourn. I was sort of encouraged, actually, to see that I'm not the only one to leave off that mean vengeance part of the verse when preaching. I guess Jesus does it with a little bit more authority. And after all, you know, It's not Jesus quoting a text, but reinterpreting a text. He's gathering themes from the Hebrew scripture and fashioning them. Well, it's his mission statement, so if he wants to do away with the vengeance of God, then I guess that's really his prerogative. After all, it's also God's mission statement, and (laughs) I guess I don't need to defend Jesus, do I? Anyway, where was I? Oh yes, the second sentence of of the Isaiah quote, he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Serves to define the first sentence of this mission statement. To proclaim good news to the poor. All those other words are just trying to illuminate that. What is the good news? A more literal translation of the Isaiah quote reads like this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor he has sent me, to proclaim for the captive's release and to the blind sight, to send forth the oppressed in release, and to proclaim the Lord's year of release. So what is the good news Jesus is proclaiming to the poor? Well, based on the repetition and emphatic position of the term release, it is clear, friends, that the good news is release. Release is sometimes translated in Luke's gospel as forgiveness. And it is what divine salvation. So when we read Jesus forgiving sins, the literal translation is Jesus is releasing sins. Release is also the word used to describe Jesus's healing. Whether he heals someone from a diabolic force or physical disability, he is said to release them. And this defines salvation. So if the popular definition of good news is that Jesus saves and saving means the forgiveness of sins, then that definition, friends, is inadequate. It must put put every kind of sickness, physical, emotional, and psychological, in the same category as spiritual sickness. Jesus forgives Blindness, schizophrenia, coveting your neighbor, they're all in the same category? How can that be? Is one then to assume that they are all the result of sin? Is someone deaf or bipolar because of their own rebellion against God? Can you get spina bifida or a personality disorder by being a bad person? No, the text does not allow for that. In fact, it makes the opposite point. It is reacting to that position. While release has spiritual and physical overtones, they are always seen in light of their social ramifications. In first century Palestine, physical, spiritual, and psychological sickness was all the same thing. At least it had the same social result, and that result had nothing to do with where you would spend eternity. No, they had much more pressing worries. Physical, spiritual, and psychological sicknesses all served as barriers that excluded one from the community. And that just didn't mean getting invited to parties. It meant a complete being a complete outsider. One would be required to stay outside the community, depending on the sickness. That meant staying outside the city limits, outside the family, outside the synagogue, Outside the walls, separated from all relationships, even from God, because you have no access to the synagogue. Separated from all relationships, separated from the community, one's ability to feed, clothe, and shelter themselves adequately was in serious question. So, when Jesus released someone from their sins or released someone from a physical disability, he did not just heal them spiritually or physically, he healed them socially. He removed the barriers that separated them from the wider community, from their families. So, release means restoration for Jesus always, restoration of relationships. The good news is release. Release means restoration. When Jesus releases someone, he releases them from exclusion from the community, and he restores them to the inclusion in the community. He releases them from the status as an outsider and restores them to the status as an insider. This is the good news. There is release and restoration for the poor. Who are the poor? Of course we know who they are they are the people who live below the poverty line there are countless ways to measure people who do not have the economic means to sustain themselves poor is the opposite of rich right the spectrum of rich and poor through one though one would not always admit it this is the way we just all measure people's worth it's hard not to place oneself on that spectrum in relationship to others I mean, I'm not doing great, but I'm not doing that bad. It's hard not to note the amount and quality of other people's stuff in comparison to one's own. But a first century definition of poor would not have been limited to economic terms. Status was measured on a different scale, it was ascription. Ascribed status is measured by things one has no control over, such as family heritage, one's sex, inherited or genetic attributes. The poor, then, are those who end up on the wrong end of the ascribed status scale. If one did not come from a good family, was a foreigner, was a woman, had any sort of physical anomaly, one fell under the blanket term poor— those of high status made the inner circle of the community. The further down the status scale you were, the less access you had to the benefits of the community. Those at the bottom of the scale were excluded from the community altogether, the poorest of the poor. There are a list of physical attributes that would put one in the bottom class. Even if you were a priest, one of the highest forms of ascribed status, That was only available to those of the priestly lineage. Even if you were a priest, you would be excluded if you, according to Leviticus, had one of the following genetic defects. Blemish, blind, lame, mutilated face or limb, broken foot, humpback, blemish in the eye, dwarf, itching disease, scabs, or crushed testicles. I would be disqualified. I'm not going to tell you which one of those I have, but... There are many of these lists in the books of the law. All serve to define people out of the inner circle, out of the circle of the people of God. Certainly lack of economic resource was an attribute of many of those of low status, but many times that was the result of their exclusion from the community, not the reason for it. On the other hand, wealth alone would not gain you a place in the inner circle. If you happen to be a foreigner or a tax collector, a Syrian, or had a birthmark on your face, even if you had all the money, you were excluded. In Luke, all these attributes that relegate one as an outsider are covered by the blanket term poor. In Luke's story, Jesus takes the term poor and all its social implications and reverses it. He proclaims as his primary purpose as you must know by now, to preach good news to the poor, release from those things that exclude individuals from the community, and make for them a place in the inner circle of the kingdom of God, the reoriented community. This whole thing we do is about good news to this poor. Restoration to the excluded. This is the mission of God. This is God's purpose. This is incarnation.